to The Catch. I'm Matt Hansen, freelance editor with FineBet.com, joined today by writers and contributors for FineBet, Tyler Austin and Brett Ludwizak. On this podcast, we will discuss everything going on in the world of sports that we can fit into 60 minutes. Throughout this series, we will cover a range of topics, including sports betting and fantasy, along with keeping up with current events, trade rumors, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FindBet underscore news and on Instagram at FindBet, just one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching FindBet. All of our newest content can be found on FindBet.com. Dan Tran, Henry Curry, and Nahom Gojelet are hosts for Three in the Key, where they discuss the current state of the NBA and provide you with their hottest basketball takes every Thursday afternoon. And we'll be recording our sports movie podcast series, breaking down Fine Bet's favorite sports films and a March Madness style bracket debuting in the summer. So, I mean, I think we have to talk about the biggest thing that's been going on in baseball right now, which is no hitters are being given out like candy, which I think, honestly, I, now, I, now I say that, but I actually don't think it's that. Uh, it's, it's still really hard to throw a no hitter. That would be my stance to begin with. Uh, I think it's amazing. Uh, the one, the, the most, the two most recent, uh, Corey Kluber uh, last night to his, to his team of one inning, uh, no hit them down in Texas. And I thought that was, I, you know, I, I think the, the thing about baseball and the thing about sports in general that's so awesome are the, the symmetry that you can draw on these things. He's the oldest guy to throw a no hitter since David Cohn. And he's the first Yankee pitcher to throw one since David Cohn. It's been 22 years. That's really cool to me. I think that's still really awesome. That still has so much meaning to me. So I don't know. Do you guys feel like it's becoming too easy to throw a no-hitter now? Well, it's one of those things where we're getting into the era with how there's switching or you have the shifts, uh, analytics, uh, you know, pitching matchup, you know, like righty versus lefty. How they're, it, It's different than the old days where, you know, a guy go out and throw eight, nine innings and if he throws a no-hitter, that's great. Where now they're just – it's it's so specialized where it's still, to me – is really cool when a no hitter happens because you know it it takes a lot of it takes a lot to go right for a no hitter to happen. Now, um, is it becoming a little watered down? All right, yeah, you can say that. Now, what we'll see more is are we going to get some perfect games mixed in because that those are even even cooler just to see that where you just everything goes right. We're here. You know, no hitter, you get some weird ones like AJ Burnett years ago throwing nine walks in a no hitter. You know, that's right. that's really odd. Or the Carlos Rodon earlier in the year where it, it glances off Roberto Perez's foot and you know he gets he, you know he gets a first base and that ruins the perfect game. Uh, but and it's just they're still really fun to watch unless your team's being no hit, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's. Yeah, you know, it's not going to lose any luster to me. It's just one of those things where you look back at it and you hear something like, whoa, that guy threw a no-hitter? <laughs> I, I don't remember that. Yeah. Well, luckily, you know, uh, you say that unless your team's being no-hit. Luckily, there are only three teams who seem like they're just going to get no-hit like ten times this year. So the rest of the league's fine for that. It's really just the Rangers, the Mariners, and uh, the the Indians. That's it. They're only just, they're just the team that's going to get no-hit all year long, I guess. They both yeah, have had it, it happen twice now. 
And he, yeah. even, even funnier is two of them came from the AL West. You know, it's like, it, it, you know, you see some of the lineups that teams are throwing out. It, out, of, out of all the teams to get no hit this year, you know, so far, I would figure at least the Tigers would be one and the Pirates would be another. But, you know, the Indians aren't, aren't bad. You know, they're playing pretty good baseball. But, you know, just, you know, sometimes they just can't, just can't hit the ball. Jose Ramirez is awesome. I don't know. It's crazy. Like, they have a good lineup. Well, and, and that goes to my argument. I would go to this for my argument of, like, why this is still kind of a crazy special thing is who are the guys who are throwing these, right? They, this is why baseball's so weird and lovable. It's not DeGrom. It's not Shane Bieber. It's not Garrett Cole. They, these guys aren't throwing them every single night. It's it's Joe Musgrove. It's Carlos Rondo, uh, Radon. It's John Means. It's Wade Miley. It's Spencer Turnbull. It's Corey Kluber, who's coming off of, like, two bad injury years at 35. Like, that's that's what's amazing about it. It's these guys, you kind of never know who it's going to be or when it's going to be. And the best aces are Cy Young award-winning, you know, guys. Just don't go out and do it every night. It's not, it's not possible. So that's what's really still special about it is these guys can have just one great night. They just put it all together. And just when you talk about aces, one of the things that I've noticed this year a lot, and even in the last few years, what I find funny is you see some of these guys like DeGrom, Shane Bieber, you know, a couple of years ago, Chris Sale. Teams, the team's just struggling to score runs for them. You know, that's, that's what I almost find is amazing as all the no hitters that you're seeing. You know, it's like when you have your ace on the mound, you should be able to, all right, rest easy a little bit, put up a couple rounds, you're good. But, you know, like the Matt, the Mets Indians, you know, they're just struggling to get runs in their starts. And, you know, that's, that's almost just as amazing as, you know, some of these no hitters. It, for DeGrom, it's, it's absolutely comical. Like I, it's the man, I don't know what in a past life he did or what sort of deal with the devil he made, but it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and I specifically want to point out too in the Kluber one last night, because this was amazing to me. I mean, the Yankees have, of course, it's the Yankees, so now they're dealing with a bunch of injuries. I mean, he, do, he goes to no hitter. There's a couple shots to right field where Tyler Wade, uh, a, a natural second baseman shortstop, is filling in because the right fielder who they just called up, like, blows his hammy coming down the first base. I and mean, that kind of makes it even more amazing to me. Him being in right field for half the game with uh, uh, playing basically out of position. He's playing a little bit of outfield here and there, but I mean, made two pretty big catches hit the triple to, to give him the lead. I mean, Tyler Wade, again, that's who would think a no hitter would hinge on that guy. But, you know, he, he was there. He did the, he, he did what needed to be done to give it a win and, and to, to make those catches in right field out of position. Yeah. I was watching, I was watching the end of the game there the last couple of innings um, after I got settled home from work. And you know, one of those ones in the ninth inning, I think it was the, going you know, after the first out, you know, there was a shot out there. I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, and he made it look, you know, made it look pretty easy at least. But, you know, other other no-hitters, you get those, you know, it seems there's always at least one just great defensive play that you're, that you're seeing during it. Um, you know, I can't really remember any, you know, like when um, – I can't remember his name. Dwayne Wise, I guess. I think it was when he robbed um, robbed oh, yeah. during Burley's perfect game or no hitter. But you know, but you know, just just a testament to like you know some of these guys who are being forced to play different positions. You know, um, being able to field it. And I guess that's why they're professionals. Yeah, as Brett, you alluded to, you know, within any no hitter, there's going to be those special moments where without that certain play, and sometimes it's just a minute thing that you don't really notice. Uh, but without those everything 
going right on that day, um, you know, that no hitter just fades into thin air. And, um, you know, it's, it's not just the, the, the pitcher uh, that feels that, you know, the fielders and his teammates, they feel that. And defensively, the pressure builds to make those plays. And to see that accomplishment six times already, just a little over a month and a half into the season, uh, is really impressive to me. You know, the one thing that you talked about with analytics and the shifts and everything, how much do you think that the, the offensive strategy of launch angle and, you know, the home run is king uh, has been playing into uh, seeing, you know, as you had also referred to, Tyler, only three teams have comprised these six no-hitters, both the, the, are all the Rangers, Mariners, and Indians being no-hit twice. Is that a problem with their hitting coach and, and the, the hitting coaches within those organizations and maybe needing to change something and stop swinging for the fences so much? Well, Oh, sorry, right, you go. <laughs> so, well, what I think, you know, some, I was watching one game, I can't remember where, you know, they were trying to get to the bottom a little bit of, you know, why we see more no-hitters, and it's because – you're getting a lot of pitchers who are throwing harder than you used to be. So batters are having to, you know, decide whether they're going to swing or not earlier there. So you're getting more strikeouts, you know, that's going to help with the no hitters there. It's just the way, just the way the game is, because I mean, in the, in his first couple of years of the, you know, of his career, I don't really remember DeGrom throwing like a hundred, you know, mm -hmm. I remember, you know, he was maybe like 96, 97, something like that. But now, you know, now he's kicked it up to a hundred and it, and it's as if he wasn't already tough enough to hit before, it's almost impossible now. But the only thing that's stopping him is the disabled list, you know, because <laughs> he can't seem to stay off that lately. But, you know, and then you look at the Mariners, it's just like, all right, yeah, their lineup, who do they really have? I mean, you know, Kyle Lewis is good, but he's coming off an injury. So he's been a little slow to start. Mitch Hanniger has been hitting a bunch of home runs. And then they have uh, Kyle Sager. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of, you know, hit or miss on that. Um, and then Kalenic, he's a rookie. Uh, but other than that, you look at their I don't, you look at their lineup and it's like pretty gross. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, it's, it's a hitting, hitting coach's fault or just so much as like just the organization because they haven't been able to get the right players in place. Yeah, and you could say yeah. similar things about the Rangers. You know, there's some, there's some bats there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's not really a lineup you fear. The, the, the one that really perplexes me is, is Cleveland. Um, you know, they're a team that, yeah, you know, Francisco Lindor's not there anymore, but, you know, you bring in a guy even like Eddie Rosario, and it's a bat that can definitely hit for power and contact without driving runs. And, you know, Cleveland always seems to field a really competitive team, and to see them no-hit twice already this season uh, is just weird to me. The other teams kind of make sense, uh, but not Cleveland. But one – one team that we have that hasn't been having a problem hitting the baseball is the Chicago White Sox. And that's sort of a problem with Tony La Russa because he doesn't like his players swinging so much. Uh, the, the, the other night uh, when they were, the White Sox were just absolutely destroying the twins and it's like 15 to four and late in the game, three Oh count to stud your mean Mercedes. And he just crushes a ball, hits a home run. And Tony Russo was not happy about that. Even though Minnesota was out there, <laughs> had a position player, Williams, I don't know, Estudillo? It was Williams I can't even say yeah, yeah, he's just some big fat catcher guy. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, if you're going to – and then Tony Russo took issue with that. And after the game, he said, I said a young player made a mistake, which, by the way, he did, and we need to acknowledge it. 
part of how you get better by better as as a team is if something goes wrong, you address it. Now his teammates went on to defend what Mercedes did. Pitcher Lancelin says, the way I see it for position players on the mound, there are no rules. Let's get the damn game over with. And if you have a problem with whatever happens, then put a pitcher out there. Take <laughs> mad when there's a position player on the field and a guy takes a swing. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you answer this first, Tyler. You know, what are your thoughts on Tony Rissa and what, you know, his comments and as well as the White Sox having the back of their teammates? I, I mean, it's, it's people are always going to act exactly the way you think they are. It's always the guys you most suspect who are going to do stuff like this. And uh, the second Tony LaRusso got hired, I was like, that's going to be a problem. And it took a, a month. <laughs> it took a month until he's like selling out his own player and, and players. <laughs> what is this? It's insane. Uh, yeah, it's, it's truly bizarre. I, Again, I, I, don't, I don't understand it at all. I, I, first of all, Mercedes, by the way, and like what gets completely glossed over in all this is that Mercedes is like a 28-year-old rookie who spent like half his life in the minors and now comes up and is absolutely raking for this team and is one of the guys who's keeping the team afloat while, while half the guys are out on, on the IL. And, and you're going to throw that dude under the bus and then back the bus up over him? Like, what are we talking? You're going to have – you're going to say it's okay that the other team – through behind your own player that's where's that in the unwritten rules of baseball maybe write them down so you don't forget that that's not okay it's insane well, <laughs> well first off do we really want Tony LaRusso driving anything and <laughs> if he's driving anything he should probably take a breathalyzer before he does it you know yeah. I mean I don't know if Tony LaRusso should be criticizing anybody about anything I mean he nope. just sort of reminds me of like Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino you know like get off my lawn yeah. <laughs> I mean he's sort of out of touch with the game I mean, he's, he's a hall of famer or you know he's gonna be one of the guys who has the most wins as a manager in history but just just a couple weeks ago he didn't even know that he couldn't put he could put a position player out on second, you know, in the new extra innings rules, and instead he put like a relief pitcher out there. You know, oh so he doesn't even really know the rules anymore. And then you want him to lead a team, and not only any team, a team, the White Sox, who have a made the playoffs last year, and and then they have a chance to win the AL Central this year. So you're <laughs> you're gonna take the chance of these culture of some fossil, you know, and then all these young guys, you know, coming together to win. I I think it was a horrible move by the White Sox, and the sooner they sort of change it, you know, you know, at least make a move because I don't see any of these problems going away. They're probably just gonna get even worse as the summer goes on and as temperatures heat up. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it makes no sense. It's uh, yeah, I, the things that uh, Tony Larusa doesn't respect his own players. The rules of the road. Uh, I, I don't know what else I, we can add to that list, I'm sure. But he, the man is uh, – he's so out of touch. He's so completely out of touch. They have one of the most exciting young cores in baseball. And exactly, you put this old, tiny gatekeeper out there to just be like, don't have fun, don't hit home runs, and uh, I'm going to sell you out to the other team any chance I get. It's, 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 it's insane. It's, it's, it, he's they, like, they've recapped the, the fun that this team was last year. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, literally make Tim Anderson a player manager. I, that would be amazing. Let's well, go there. Well, even, even, even the next night where 
uh, one of the Twins pitchers threw behind Mercedes. And, and yeah. then Tony Russo comes out and said, I don't have a problem with that. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, you're, you're actually siding with the op- opponent as opposed to your own teammate there. You know, the guy, you know, that's just, it just blows my mind. Yeah. It's so wrong on, on, on every level of whatever, however you want to look at it. At, at new age, like, look, you know what? It's again, it's a position player. It's a three Oh, I think it was Lance Lynn or someone who said, it's like, look, just swing so we can get the game over. Like, if you hit a home run, you hit a home run. But there's, a, you know, also, I love when people like, this came up with Tatis last year, too, where it's like, well, yeah, swing on a 3-0 pitch. Obviously, you're just going to hit a home run. It's hard to hit a home run. Like, I mean, I, you know, look, you see a 50-mile-an-hour pitch coming for a professional baseball player, you probably hit a home run. But he could have got under it. We don't know. And then it's an out, and then nobody, it's just, it's white noise. It's just because he crushed it because he's good at the sport that he plays, there's no reason to penalize him. Yeah. And, you know, how close are we guys to seeing, like, a major league where um, the coach made Willie Mays Hayes do push-ups at the plate because he hit a pop fly? Like, is LaRusso going to get to the point where he's telling your men, like, look, if you swing on another 3-0, you're doing laps during the game. Like, I mean, this is old head baseball at its finest. I'm absolutely st- – I honestly think this is the only time that I can remember a manager – siding with an opposing team as opposed to defending his own teammate. And, and this is something where I get it. If you are a baseball purist, you know, you, you hold these unwritten rules of baseball close to your heart. But also, isn't one of the unwritten rules, like you handle your, your own dirty laundry in-house behind closed doors and not air it out uh, to the national media? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe as punishment, Tony Versa should have made, like, Mercedes be at least designated driver or something for the night, you know, so to avoid any more DUIs. But I mean, a lot of people wonder why ratings for baseball are struggling. Guys like Tony Larissa are why it's struggling because, you know, the MLB champions are like, oh, let the kids play, let them have fun. And then something like this happens and it's like, Going against the going against what they're trying to say. It's like you know, I want the game to be fun. I don't care if there's you know home run at 15 to 15 to four in the ninth inning off a position player. All right, yeah, that's fine. You know, some of these home runs might be the difference in a guy's incentives in his contract. You know, so it's like, all right, let him get money. You know, I don't have a problem with it. And I'm sick of hearing about the unwritten rules. Put the put the rules down, write them down, so we know. All right, it's cool to have fun here, and you know you're not supposed to do this. All right, you know it's just so it's just it's just crazy. I mean, I agree with what Lance Lynn said. I mean, if you really are going to get mad about someone swinging at a three-zero pitch, don't put a backup catcher into pitch. Mm-hmm. Put an actual pitcher out there and have him beat the guy. Like, I mean, I, I I've never understood people that say that you know if you're up big, you have to let the foot off the pedal because you never know what the other team's going to do. We've seen big comebacks in every single sport. It happens all the time. If the other team can't stop you, then they just need to be better. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like putting, like, a six-foot guy on Shaq and trying to like, all right, stop him from dunking. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> it's not fair. You just got posterized. You posterized my guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seemed like to me that basically the only people mad about this were the Twins – uh, announcers and then Tony LaRusa. Like the twins didn't even see that. Like Rocco Baldelli didn't even seem that mad about it until the next day when he's like, Yeah, I guess I guess we should make an example or something. I don't know. Like it they like it seemed like this could have been such a non issue 
if nobody asked Tony LaRusso about it. Like, I don't understand, like, why? And, and I mean, I guess you have to. Look, you're going to get in. He's the manager, whatever. Like, it's going to come up. But it just, it was such a, it should have just been a, a nothing. It's, it's, again, it's a 15 to 4 game or 15, like, they're up so much in the ninth inning. It shouldn't even rate to people. Like, I, I don't understand why that. It's, and it's dominating the headline. This is what we're talking about instead of other amazing things like uh, the, this guy on the Angels. I don't know if you heard him, but he's got Max Scherzer's DRA and he's leading the league in home runs. Show uh, the way. <laughs> show the way. It's showtime every night. Uh, it is showtime every night. He's amazing. I so I like I've been I've been watching him on and off, and, and actually, I, so yesterday he didn't have uh, one of his best starts. Uh, you know, his velocity dipped a little bit, and it just seems like, you know, he's. It's tough. It's tough being in a, a hitter and a, and a pitcher. And so you can kind of have that kind of level of fatigue. But, I mean, up until that point, I mean, he's literally – he's he leads the league in, in extra base hits, and he leads the league in extra base hits, hits given up by a pitcher. He's unbelievable. I, I Like, I, I think about this man, Otani, and it's, it's like a glitch in the matrix. Like, our brains can't quite comprehend what he's doing in real time. And I think we'll only appreciate it as we get, like, further away from it. I, I, I truly don't know. I, how, how are you guys handling this, like, revolution? So for me personally, the only thing that I think about when I think about Shohei Otani is the limitless ceiling that the kid has. But I'm just, like, watching through squinted eyes and, like, every muscle in my body is tight when I'm watching him because I'm just waiting for him to get hurt again. Um, and that's really yeah. the only obstacle I see him having from being one of the best baseball players we ever see play the game is just his inability to stay healthy so far from what we've seen. Um, and other than that, I mean, I've just been enjoying the ride, being able to see him and some of these other young players like Acuna um, just go out and play the game. Yeah, but the only bad thing about Otani is he has to play for the Angels. I mean, who, who are – you know, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, you know, they have no pitching. Aside from Otani, they have no pitching. I mean, and then their they're hitter, you know, the best hitters are injured, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, you know, it's, you know, he's just amazing with the bat. And then some of the things that he does, pitching, are just crazy too. You know, but like you said, that's what worries me is that, Last year, he had the rotator rotator cuff problem, which, you know, cut his season short, or maybe that was two years ago. They're blending together now. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, that's, the, that's the only thing. I feel like, you know, to maximize his talent, he should be, you know, sh- should be hitting. Um, I mean, because that's where he's going to make, make most of the impact. Now, if you want to keep him as a pitcher, maybe you do something where, like, you settle him into, like, a closer role, you know, or, you know, but trying to, trying to have him as a starter – you know, I don't think that's going to end well, just especially with so many injuries you see with pitchers just overall. I mean, these days, you know, guys are guys are going on the injured list, you know, all the time. It's hard to keep some of your, your best pitchers healthy. So for the, for the Angels to truly get, you know, the most out of them, you know, and plus they have the DH too, where he's not going to have to be out on the field. You know, that helps, but yeah, it's tough to, tough to envision being able to do both throughout his whole career. So those are all great points, Brett. But Tyler, I want to get your opinion on something. So we talk about, you know, Shohei's inability to stay healthy throughout his career so far. And, you know, the last thing as baseball fans that we want to see is for Shohei to deal with injuries throughout his career. You know, we want to see this guy out there for 
every game or at least as many that, that we can, depending on what they do with him, you know, balancing pitching and hitting. If you're the Angels brass, how are you managing him in regards to trying to keep him healthy, having him be as close to an everyday player as possible? Do you reel back a little bit on the pitching or do you just keep going as is, hoping that he stays healthy? What would you do? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, well, I, when he first came in, and, and obviously he was, you know, a great hitter and a, and, a, and a pretty great, pretty good pitcher, I was like, well, the value seems to be that he can do both. Now he's literally the best hitter in the league and one of the best pitchers in the league. So, again, his value only increases if he can do both. Uh, I think really you just have to keep his bat in the lineup because what he's doing with the bat is just silly. It's just ridiculous. I, did you see him go opposite field over the green monster? I didn't know that was possible. Uh, like that's insane. So I, you have to keep his bat in the lineup, but I think the easiest way is to, you just have to, you just have to manage the workload with, with pitching. And, and look, here's the thing that's coming to the MLB as we speak is load management. I mean, you know, Aaron judge is getting days off. Again, in, in April and May against the, the Orioles and, and, and other teams because, look, we'd rather him be healthy in September and October. And I think that's something that's going to start to be adopted. It's made it's, – it's in the NBA. It will come to baseball. Uh, you know, any sport that has that many games, it's just going to – it's just going to start to happen because why burn these guys out before the summer? Uh, now, as you and mentioned, Tyler, currently he is hitting like the best hitter in baseball. So – do you risk losing that bat if he's going to have to, say, get Tommy John surgery from pitching? Is it worth it? it I mean, it's, hap it's happened before, and we lost a year and, and change of that guy, and, it's, and it sucks. Uh, I, I think you just have to – and Joe Madden, I think, has done a really good job of this so far this year. I mean, genuinely, in terms of, like, he'll have a start on the schedule, and they scratch him, and they, they rest him. You just have to be able to say, like, listen to this – let this guy listen to his body. And if he can pitch, we let him pitch. And if he, if he thinks he's tired, if he thinks he's sluggish, if he thinks he's fatigued and that's going to lead to injury, you got to give him the day off. And I, I, it's just so hmm. – I mean, the absolute novelty of it and the ability to do it is so amazing. I think you should. I think they should. I think we should live through – I want to live – I so badly want to live in a time where this is happening, but I, you're right. I mean, it's, it's such a risk. It's, he's, um, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. But yeah, he's stuck on the Angels. So, I mean, who knows? We may never see him again. And shout out to Joe Madden, by the way, because I think I agree with you. I think he's done an excellent job trying to balance, you know, what he has. And it's a, a rare, you know, the rarest commodity in baseball. You know, it's really been since the you know, early 1900s that we've seen these effective two-way players in the game. Um, so it's definitely a challenge, I'm sure, as a manager, you know, knowing what you have in him, both as a pitcher uh, and a hitter, because at this time, you know, even with Mike Trout in the lineup, um, you know, he's arguably their best hitter and I think inarguably their, their best pitcher. Um, so, you know, shout out to Joe Madden for doing an excellent job balancing that. Um, <clears throat> really quickly, before we, we keep talking about Shohei, I did want to ask both of you guys if – it was Ozzie Guillen that was still the manager of the White Sox. Um, how do you think that this situation would be handled uh, differently than, than what we have with Tony La Russa um, as the White Sox manager? Well, I, I feel like there'd be a lot, a lot of funny tweets with it. Because <laughs> 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 but I, I feel like it'd be – it still wouldn't be as big of a problem as when Tony Larusa, yeah, Tony Larusa, because at least at least Ozzy's like not all that 
far removed from playing the game, you know, where Larissa even was, you know, you know, he hadn't even managed in a number of years, you know, so it's, and then just that, you know, Ozzy's probably like 25 years younger than, than Tony Larissa too. So I think, I feel like there'd be a little more understanding at least. So, uh, you know, I mean, there'd be a lot more funny press conferences and tweets. That's that's about the only difference I'd really see. Tyler, what would you say? Would Ozzy start a a bench clearing brawl um, once uh, Mercedes was thrown at? I, you know, I was gonna say it's 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 like uh it's like overcorrecting, you know, probably something Tony Larusso should know about in a car. You don't want to overcorrect, and uh, that's exactly what all day Larusso did. <laughs> it's uh, I, I think he would be a. Pl- I mean, again, that's a that's a player's manager right there. You want that guy in your, in your dugout when stuff like this happens, not someone who's uh, who's gonna do the opposite. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just, I'm sorry to, to go back to La Russa, but it's just been blowing my mind, this whole situation. Uh, and I just, I wanted to talk about it with people. So, so I just, I, oh, I, just yeah. I, have thoughts. I have thoughts. Well, we're going back to the Angels uh, and Otani. Uh, teammate Mike Trout was injured earlier in this week and he was diagnosed with a, with a calf strain and is expected to be out six to eight weeks. So as if the Angels didn't already have enough problems, now they'll be without the services of Mike Trout, which puts even more pressure on Otani to be the bat that the Angels need right now, especially with Anthony Rendon also sort of back and forth from the IL, mm-hmm. um, which for me, I feel like, you know, that's why you got to have Otani's bat and not risk pitching him. But, but um, so Matt, what are your thoughts on uh, – the angels and you know sort of where they stand and what we might see from them the rest of the season so by no surprise the angels are bad again this year um you know at least record wise Uh, 18 and 24 they're sitting seven games back in the division uh i think by far the worst bullpen in the league right now um you know even games where shohei (laughs) goes out there and pitches a gem unless he goes the full distance there's no telling what's going to happen once the bullpen hits the mound um you know, they're a team that I really dog. I, I really dislike the Angels organization because they've had Mike Trout to build around. Uh, Mike Trout chose to stay there, which I'll never forgive him for that decision. Um, and, you know, overall, I like seeing the Angels be bad because Mike Trout is fine in his isolated bubble. And I think that, you know, it's fair to say that he's the best baseball player we've seen in this generation. Um, and he'll continue to be the best baseball player we've seen in this generation for a few more years. Um, but I don't wish that organization any success or turnaround. You know, they did try to bring in Rendon, as you mentioned, which is a pretty big free agent signing. They have Shohei there. Um, but, you know, overall, they just can't get it done because they don't know how to, to bring in pitchers to the organization. So you can score 10 runs a game, but if you're going to give up 12, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, for me, the, the best thing I could see the Angels doing for baseball is by trading Mike Trout and Shohei Otani away from that organization and letting them play for teams that uh, are serious about contending for a championship. So, you know, just that thought percolating around in my mind uh, wants me to have to ask you guys, you know, between Shohei and Trout, who would you rather see get out of L.A. and go to a different team where they have a chance to, to contribute to a championship run? So I pretty much – sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I said, put Otani – I mean, they, they tried to get him. Put Otani on the Yankees today. 
<laughs> Left-handed bat in Yankee Stadium who can pitch. I mean, it will make it happen. I mean, we tried. We want, the Yankees wanted him. And, uh, you know, I, actually, there was a great Onion headline I just saw a couple of days ago, which was Shohei Otani uh, really wishes he looked into if the Angels were good before signing with him. <laughs> Something to that effect. And it was just like, man, it's hard. I, I wish I'd known they were good or bad. Now they're really bad. No. Uh, so, yeah, I would say get him out, put him on the Yankees. They need a left-handed bat. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'd sort of – I'd rather the Angels trade Otani just because this way we could – for for a long time we can say that uh, both you you two and I have as many playoff wins as Mike Trout. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, we all have zero playoff wins. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> I, I it seems like every year you see Trout get at least hurt a little bit, dinged up, and that's – the way that is, you know, lately has just been sort of reminding me of like Giancarlo Stanton, you know, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, he'll get off to, you know, like this year, he'll get off to a great start. Oh, he's back on the IL. So <laughs> I see a little bit of that in Trout, which sort of scares me. Um, not saying that the Yankees <laughs> would have enough to trade for him or anything, but I mean, you know, just Otani just seems so fun where you know he does he deserves to be in a better market or or even not that I not that I really want the Dodgers to get anymore even if in the same city if he just went to another team he'd be like huge where <laughs> Mike Trout he seems fine to be like oh yeah well I'm not winning but at least I can dedicate a lot of my attention to uh to the weather which I love the weather you know? I mean talking about another California team I mean god how good would Shohei be with the athletics? An organization that knows how to just get the most out of their players and they just squeeze every bit of potential out of every one of those prospects coming up. And to have like a, a, an absolute stud like Otani and that organization, like that would just look so much better than him having to wear an Angels jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they, he could be he could be what keeps the, the A's in Oakland, you know, if, if he was. Uh, <laughs> oh, that would definitely help. Yeah, <laughs> anchor the franchise there. I and and Brett, you brought it up with the organization of the of the Angels, and I mean, it it probably doesn't help that those guys, uh, pitching coaches, uh, Mickey, uh, I'm not going to say it, Mickey Callaway, uh, a man who sends a certain type of photographs to a certain type of people, uh, <laughs> Mickey Callaway, that guy's still their pitching coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are they saying? Remember the Titans' attitude or fuck leadership? There you go. Mm -hmm. So, after talking about that, that's a fun exercise. I came up with a few more buy and sells that I want to run past you guys before we have to get out of here this week. Um, just some fun things. You know, it's been a really exciting first month and a half of the season as we had talked about the six no-hitters. Shohei Otani being the, I think, the greatest show out right now in any sport. I just think watching him play baseball is the highest quality TV that you can get right now outside of the NBA playoffs coming up. But I have a couple more buy-sells with you guys, so let's play a game here for the, past, the last few minutes here. And uh, I'm just going to pose a question, and um, I just want to know what you guys think. So I'm going to start off here with an easy one. So currently, uh, Vlad Jr. is hitting a nice 327 batting average. Um, are you buying or selling that he ends the season with a batting average over 300? So I'll I'll buy it because uh, Toronto hasn't even gotten to Buffalo yet. Where last year when they played in Buffalo, like they 
it seemed like every game they were scoring at least like 10, 12 runs. You know, I don't know how Buffalo became like a bandbox, but you know, <laughs> but you know, for one, he's going to be able to, you know, hit in that park there where, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if he raised an average of like 350 or something like that. And then plus you get to, you get to, um, you get so, so many more games against the Orioles and, you know, so the Red Sox pitching isn't that great. They've been, they've been pretty good so far this year, but they have a lot of guys that hit a bowl in there. So, I mean, just, just with some of the matchups that they still have going, you know, Vlad should be able to eat really well <laughs> there. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely, I can't see him really, even if he, even if he slumps a little bit, it's not going to be, extended enough to where I think it really dips below 300. So I definitely see him staying above 300. Tyler? I will very lightly sell. Just based on his, you know, I mean, previous career stats, I, I you know, he's such a power hitter and, and you know, I, I, it's going to catch up to him. I mean, averages average out for a reason. And with a long season, there could be slumps. There could be a lot of different issues. I, I'm going to say, though, it's he'll make it close, but we're looking at, like, I think he, he lands in, like, the mid-290s would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, Brett, you make great points, uh, especially about playing in that Buffalo Park. Uh, I'm leaning towards Tyler's sell. I just – I honestly, when I was researching for the podcast, I, I saw Vlad Jr.'s batting average. I didn't realize it was that high. And I kept refreshing the page and like checking secondary sources because I just thought maybe it was like a, a typo or it was like the stats from like after the first week and they just never updated it. So, I mean, that's really a big surprise for me that he's hitting that well. I mean, I know that the, the whole lineup is, is kind of hitting good right now, but uh, for him, I think that's a pretty high average. I honestly can see him going dipping down all the way to like 270s, 280 range. But I mean, he's still having a good season. But he just doesn't strike me as the guy that's going to have that average as, uh, at this point in his career. So, but hopefully he does. Love Vlad, but man, he's on a hot streak right now. Uh, so let's move on to the second question. Uh, leading up to the season, uh, the entire off season, there was a lot of talk about Chris Bryan and the Cubs maybe being motivated to move him. He started out this season hitting 308 with 10 homers and 26 RBI. Definitely one of the cornerstone players still for the Cubs, but do you guys see him wearing a Cub uniform after the trade deadline this year? I will find that he's probably not a Cub. Uh, again, uh, in this, I, I think that uh, they're just they're just not really in it. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I think that there's a good chance it's it, you know obviously the way things move, maybe they get hotter and you know, or they don't get bad enough that they want to sell off all their pieces. But and that's a great. I mean, that's a, that's a guy who they, they could definitely recoup a lot of assets for. And, you know, he's kind of playing he, – he's not as much the everyday third baseman anymore. He's a little bit out in left field sometimes. So, I, I could see it. I could definitely see him playing for a team that needs a little bit of pop, you know, coming down the stretch, thinks they need one more piece. I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, definitely for an AL team where they can slot him into DH too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying a Chris Bryant jersey because I don't think he will be there at the end of the year. Um, you know, the NL Central is sort of a mess, but the Cubs are maybe be a little bigger mess right now. Um, and they're getting to that sort of – they're getting to the close of their window there, you know, where they're going to have to make some tough decisions, you know, with Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, you know, all, all that to try and restock a little bit, maybe that farm system, because, you know, they don't have – quite have the pitching that they used to and they're you know there's going to be more and more holes that 
reveal themselves. So I mean, I think you got to as long as he keeps you know playing like he is right now, there's going to be teams that want him. Um, so I feel like it'd be in the Cubs' best interest to trade Bryant before the trade deadline. Now. <laughs> How motivated are the Rangers and the Mariners and the Indians in trying to get Chris Bryant on their team just to avoid being the first team to you know, hit three times? <laughs> I, I, I definitely don't see that, them happening, especially the Indians, because <laughs> the Indians don't want to spend anything. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those where I could see it maybe like a – like in Atlanta maybe, because, you know, I don't know – I think Austin Riley is their third baseman or something, you know, you know, yeah. that could be an upgrade on that, uh, you know, or maybe like the Mets, but you know, you know, the NL, the NL seems like, you know, be a good spot for, for him to fall. Um, or like you said, over in the AL, you know, it makes a lot more sense because there's more options where to, where to play him there. So, but yeah, <laughs> I would say those three try and avoid a third <laughs> no hitter would be, it would be a spot to look for him to go. Yeah, no, and I do. I agree with both of you. I don't think Chris Bryant's going to be a Cub after the trade deadline this year. I think that they're salivating over the fact that he's had this hot start just to elevate his value a little bit. Um, but there's no way that I see them signing him long term. Um, and at this point, they're going to try to get something for him rather than just have him walk. So uh, I agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because he can definitely make a borderline contender a serious contender. Um, but let's move on. And we talked about Shohei a lot. We also talked about, you know, how to balance him best. Um, so this question we've kind of already explored, but buy or sell, Shohei, beca Shohei becomes an all-time position player before the end of this season. Yeah, I, I, I would think it's it would be a smart move. So that probably means the Angels don't do it. You know? <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> If I was running, that's how. That's what I would do. He, he he's going to give you more value as a hitter than he is as a pitcher, you know. Instead, you know, where as a position player, he'll be able to play every day. Where you know, as a pitcher, all right, you run him out there every five, six days or whatever. But then you also risk so much more with them having arm issues. So, you know, if you want to get your true the true worth out of him, yeah, you're going to want to you're going to want to put him as a position player. I mean, I guess in a pinch you could use him as a pitcher, but. It then then you're getting in a whole thing because he might not be ready to pitch or you know, it just makes so much more sense to, to have him as a position player. All right, Tyler, what do you say? I'm selling for now. I'm selling for now. I'm in. I think he can, you know, I, the mindset to, to be able to do both and get yourself ready to face major league pitching and then face major league hitting is so intense. But if anybody can handle it, I mean, you would have to just be the most talented dude in the world. And I think that might be this guy. Uh, so, you know what? I hope they let him at least try to go most of the year. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe at some point down the road, it, it's it's not sustainable for a career, right? I mean, it's maybe we get two or three or four good years out of it and, and with with hopefully no injuries. And, and you know, we should just, we just enjoy him while we got him. So – you know, Brett had mentioned, you know, maybe he shifts to becoming a closer, which, you know, I think that's tough, you know, asking him to play a game and then come in in a high leverage situation to close. But what about an opener slot? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if he goes to a team or if somehow the Angels get to the point where, like, they can actually start putting together wins outside of games where Mike Trout and Shohei Atani both go, like, three for five with three home runs combined. 
if you can put Shohei out there, you know, the Angels can build leads early, have Shohei set the tone, you know, post some some goose eggs in the first two, three innings, and then bring in, you know, definitely nobody in their bullpen right now. But, you know, once they revamp the entire thing, um, you know, that maybe is sustainable because then you're only asking them to throw 30, 40 pitches uh, an appearance, and, you know, you can space it out uh, strategically, you know, against better teams. Uh, you know, maybe that's the way to do it. But again, I, I agree with Brett. I don't really have faith in that organization that they're going to handle it well. Yeah. And, and I was even thinking, you know, as we were talking here, I was even thinking, I'm like, how would it work if he was like a reliever? You know, it's like, oh, well, sorry, guys. I got to run off to the bullpen and get stretched out. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, how do you, yeah, the opener makes more sense at least. Yeah. And I mean, you could even use him a little more, I guess. If, you know, haven't pitched two innings. All right. Maybe three, four days later, come back and do another, you know, something like that. But. You know, it, yeah, <laughs> the closer might have been just me just trying to throw junk against the wall and see if it stuck. Well, no matter what they do with them, uh, Angel's organization, he deserves a raise. <laughs> Let's move on to our final question I have for you guys for buy, sell. Um, and this one, I'm really excited to get your thoughts on. They're two players I really enjoy watching. Um, Trey Turner and Fernando Tatis Jr. are the two players in question. Uh, currently, both of them have 10 home runs and eight stolen bases. Which of those two do you think has the better chance to go 30-30 this season? I'm buying Tatis. Give me Tatis all day. The power, the power is so effortless. And he's so fast. Uh, I think he, he will definitely get – I think he gets closer, and I, and I would say he almost definitely gets there. Uh, he's just, I mean, the, the, I, I mean, God, every single day there is a clip of him doing something that just you shouldn't be able to do on a baseball field, like him doing the splits to stay on second base. It, just that level of flexibility just shouldn't, I, it's insane. It's insane to me. Uh, so I would bet on him again. He's missed some time already with, uh, the, the, was it the shoulder or the elbow, uh, early and which seems like he could have been done for the year. Like we all held our collective breath and then he was able to come back and then he's missed COVID time. So, I mean, the fact that he's already at those numbers with that much time missed is amazing. And I think, you know, we could talk about him getting even closer to like the 35, 35 or, you know, in that range, definitely. The only thing that scares me about taking Tatis is what you said with the, you know, so far with all the injuries, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's almost like it seems like injuries breed injuries because, you know, you're trying to come back too soon and, and then, you know, overcompensating one spot and then you're hurting something else. So that's the only thing that scares me. Uh, then again, Turner has had injury issues in the past. So I mean, if you made me choose one, I'd probably say Tatis just because I feel like he has a little, a little more power numbers where, Turner, I feel like he gets he he'd be better to get the thirty stolen bases and then Tatis, you know, thirty home runs. But I don't know if I really see either of them doing it. But if you made me choose, yeah, I'd I'd probably take Tatis just because, you know, the harder part of it's going to be hitting the hitting the homers where you know you could you know steal a couple bases in a game. Yeah, that's no problem. But you know, so I feel like yeah, give me give me Tatis. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I figure you guys would say. You know, I, I'm a huge Trey Turner fan. You know, Turner deals with the same kind of injury issues that Tatis has so far. You know, you never know when Trey Turner is going to hit the IL as well. Um, but this is like unprecedented power that we've seen from Trey Turner early, I think. And, you know, you know that he's going to have the 30 stolen bases, just like I think it's pretty safe to assume that Fernando Tatis is going to have 30 homers. 
Um, so it was kind of like playing, you know, which do you think has a better chance to get the number that you think is, you know, the harder one to get, which obviously Turner was the homers. Uh, for Tatis, you know, technically, I guess I would consider that steals. Uh, honestly, I could see Tatis going 40-30, and I could see Turner going like 20-60. So, uh, you know, if they, hopefully both those guys stay healthy. But I always like to see a 30-30 player because it's, uh, you know, becoming more and more rare. It's always been rare, but uh, – you know, to combine the power and the speed, it's it's just uh, you know those are exciting players. Well, if, Brian, if only Brian Byron Buxton wasn't hurt all the time, then yeah, yeah, you know, if Bucks could stay healthy, you know, the Twins have a good organization there, and he's always been a guy that's like you know everyone's just he's one of those guys everyone was excited to see, and um, you know, and it, it, it like he's kind of starting to put it together, right? He'll, he'll give you sort of flashes and then it'll, then it'll be back on the IL, which, you know, that's, and, and now the twins, you know, pretty much it seems like since he's went on the IL, he's, they're just awful. You know, someone get them a new doctor. He needs a backyotomy. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, that's all the time that we have this week. I want to thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple podcasts by searching find Beth. Go to findbet.com to check out all of our newest content. And remember to follow us on Twitter at findbet underscore news and on Instagram at findbet, just one word, to know when all of our new content hits the site. Thanks again for joining us on The Catch. And until next time, may the waivers always be in your favor, my friends. Goodbye.